Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everybody, it's Brian. If you haven't noticed, it is absolutely nuts out there in the housing market. If you don't know exactly what you're doing and you don't have someone that you trust by your side to guide you through the process, good luck getting the home you want or getting the best price for the home you're selling. John Hurlbut at Altitude Homes is a guy I've known for years, over a decade, a friend and someone I trust implicitly. If you are in Pierce, South King, or Thurston counties, there is nobody better to help guide you through the real estate process right now. Go on over to altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkablogger. Now, again, that's altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkblogger. Sign up to contact John. He will help you with the process, and all referrals will result in a $1,000 donation from John and the Altitude Homes team to Ben's Fund. Everybody wins. Go in there, get your help, get your dream home, get the most money for your home. AltitudeHomesTeam.com slash HawkBlogger. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fans. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out no matter how hard it rains in my city. Everybody and welcome to the 212th episode, a very special episode of Real Hawk Talk. I am Brian Emhauser at Hawk Blogger on Twitter, and tonight, friends, family, patrons, enemies, everyone who chooses to tune in, this is the Real Hawk Talk prediction show, the one, the only. Uh, you are going to find in the next however long it takes. Um, out everything you need to know about what's going to happen this Seahawks season. You could literally just not watch the rest of the season and just pay attention to the next hour and a half, whatever it takes, and you'll know. You'll know what's going to happen because we've been that accurate in the past. Uh, we're going to go through a lot of predictions. We're going to talk uh, about your Seahawks. We're going to talk about some other stuff as well. Uh, now is a great time as the season's about to get underway. Please give the show a like. Subscribe to the channel. You never know when we're going to go live with some big news. <clears throat> and then, of course, go over to patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Join up. Get immediate access to the Slack channel where we've got a growing, thriving, fun, friendly community of other Hawks fans. And you can continue the conversation even after the show's over. So uh, head on over. Now's the right time to do it. And uh, we'd love to see you over there. Now, let me bring in the folks. Uh, we've got Evan Hill at Evan Hill HB on Twitter. How are you, Evan? I'm doing so well. 
I was just saying, I cannot believe it is already September 1st and we are, what is it? A week and a half away from Seahawks football. This is crazy. I'm uh, this is honestly my favorite show of every single year. So I'm super excited about this. Well, yeah, I, I was actually making some plans for next Sunday. <clears throat> Cause I'm like, well, you know, I don't have to be there. The Seahawks aren't going to play. So like, it's, it's weird. I don't know if we've ever opened up. Like, I don't remember the last time we've opened up with a Monday night football game. Uh, it's been a long time. Um, <clears throat> actually maybe the Packers game after was that it's Monday? not a double header this Monday or next Monday. Is it? I don't know. I've really paid that little attention to other. I know things. they're like starting to do that. So yeah, maybe, maybe, uh, next, um, we have, uh, the manly Nathan Ernst uh, at Nathan E11 on Twitter. Uh, Nathan, are you ready for the big Labor Day weekend? Are you going to do anything fun with the fam? We're going camping, uh, which is really, a, yeah, it's always fun, but man, it's also always a little bit of an adventure with three young children. So uh, yeah, yeah, it'll be good. I like that it's always because this means that you do this fairly often which is impressive that's not easy to do with a family at least once a year we go and uh we go with my mom and my stepdad and and yeah so it's uh like i said it's always a lot of fun but it's also at a campsite with three kids and it's trying sometimes <laughs> yeah yeah i'm already i'm already frustrated i'm not even involved yeah uh finally um and, and uh a fan favorite for sure and the person that if you don't see her here, you're going to see her somewhere else. She's on every podcast or about every uh, NFL team um, across the web. It is Dana O'Gorman. We are at Dana OG on Twitter. Very fortunate to have Dana with us and happy to see you tonight, Dana. You look excited. You look like, you know, maybe a little flushed uh, with excitement. <laughs> so here's the thing. As an adult, we preach sunscreen and then we go to the pool and we don't pay attention to reapplying <laughs> sunscreen and you end up a lobster. So this is my end of summer sun, I guess you could say. You know, like this is the time to get it, right? Like make it lasts, you know, you'll, you'll be peeling in October and it'll feel like so cool. Uh, my very Irish skin did not appreciate it, that's for sure. <laughs> People in the chat are making crab references. So like that, that yeah. like for, Fair. you know, we have a lot of crab history on this show. <laughs> so, um, oh, man. Yeah, that, that's, that's cool. Uh, so yeah, we've got, as, as folks that don't know, we are going to go through, we're going to go through um, our predictions for the whole season week by week. Um, we will not go through in as much nauseating detail because these, these shows can end up taking hours and hours if we do that. Um, we also have a bunch of random predictions about players around different statistics, and we're going to talk about some of those. And we have predictions from not only the folks you see on the show right now, we have it from the rest of the crew. We have Josh Cashman's predictions. We have Derek's predictions. We have Trey Cole's prediction, our, our, our wonderful intern and producer. Um, and we have Jeff Simmons. We don't know where Jeff is. So we're like, we hope Jeff's okay. Jeff's like, doesn't miss this show for the world. This is his time to shine. So I can only assume something very important and wonderful is going on. That, that's what we're gonna have to guess, but um, he may or may not join us. In the meantime, 
Let's get going. Um, and uh, we have some patron questions. Um, you know, I want to talk through those a little bit. I do want to get quick, quick reactions to the 53 man roster finalization and the machinations that went on and off. Um, I am curious if there was anything that stood out to any of you about where the Seahawks ended up with who they cut and who they kept. And um, uh, Evan, why don't we start with you? Yeah, I think the biggest surprise for me personally, and this is maybe an obvious call out, but the fact that LJ Collier is still on this football team is, is a pretty big shock to me. Um, we all saw what Miles Adams did this preseason. He had multiple sacks, multiple you know, quarterback hits. I think he had a forced fumble in the Cowboys game. Very active player, excited about him. Um, I know they reverted him to IR, I think, in the past couple of days. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Maybe they're just stash if, you know, it's a creative way to stash him for now, which makes sense. But I would be shocked if he is on the roster this entire year. Um, I I, I just, yeah, there's nothing more to say on this guy. I, I, He's a bust. They probably drafted him too high for, you know, what he was actually worth coming out of college or valued coming out of college. But um, outside of that, the Blair, the Blair release. Hey, 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 one. Let's let's take one. Okay, I'm sticking to one. I'll stick to one. one. It's it's LJ Collier. All right. uh, Let's uh, go next to Dana. Uh, Things that jumped out to you. I really wanted Bo Melton on the 53. I really did. That was the one player the one kind of late round rookie that I really thought was going to make the 53. I, I know that it, there was a lot of back and forth between him and young and back, but I just really liked what I saw from Milton. And I was really hoping he would make the 53. Otherwise, I don't think there was much surprise. I think a lot of, Oh, I'm only supposed to do one. Sorry. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Nathan. Um. Uh, I think the linebacker situation is really interesting. Um, they, they don't have a ton of those guys right now. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. If, I, mean, I would think they would have done something by now to add to that spot if they were going to. So I don't know. Uh, the next week or so, I guess it'll be pretty interesting to see how they approach it, if they do anything at all. Yeah. I, uh, that's where I would have gone. I mean, I think that was pretty surprising. I I would have bet a lot of money that we would have seen one of those almost annual – John Schneider trades a seventh round pick or a conditional pick for someone that was going to be cut from another team to be an inside linebacker. Um, maybe I mean, he it, never, go ahead. I was just going to say it could happen in the next 10 days. Um, you know, roster, rosters are changing very quickly, even as of today. It could. It just seems like um, it usually would have happened by now. And um I don't know. I think there there was some question. I think I saw around Blake Martinez um, and his situation uh, in New York, and that there's some inside linebacker stuff going on there. Maybe there's some stuff that's going to shake out. That was pretty surprising. I think to where Evan was going, and that I think is worth mentioning, is the Marquise Blair um, uh, news. I wasn't surprised. Um, but it, it is of note because one pair that with LJ Collier, like there, there's a lot of, a lot of bad Jim Nagy moments, unfortunately, in, in that uh, draft for Seattle out of the senior bowl. 
But Blair's a guy that actually not only got a lot of hype from players and coaches, but actually made some pretty big impact plays on the field. Looked like a guy that could be a difference maker at times. Made a ton of mistakes, too. I can't really think of many Seahawks players that have shown, like, potential high ceiling, potential impact that have gotten let go, like, in the Schneider Carroll era. I just don't – I can't think of that many. And um, not only that, but he didn't get picked up on waivers. So, I don't know. I think no Seahawks got picked up on waivers. That certainly wasn't a surprise. I think I heard people like Freddie Swain are on like practice squads. Like, I think that just shows kind of where the talent level's been, um, you know, on this roster. And I think that probably foreshadows a little bit when we get into our predictions uh, where we are um, in terms of where the team is. Yeah, go ahead. Can I say, I was going to say though, if you look at this year, season, even last season, and I think the last couple seasons have been kind of anomalies because of the COVID situation. And there was just, it was a little weird. This season feels very fluid um, across the entire league, not just even in Seattle. If you look at a lot of teams, there's a lot of constant moving and churning of players, especially since they're still allowing the veterans to be on practice squads. I think that that changed a lot because they didn't have to pick them up for the roster because they could stash them on a practice squad. And so while Seattle, it's I don't think that this team is going to even remotely look the same here probably over the next week or so, that is going on across the entire league. There just seems to be so much movement. So I think we'll continue to see that and hopefully Seattle will pick someone up before week one starts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, um, let's do some patron questions before we get into our predictions. And some of them may be prediction oriented, and if they are, we'll answer them only if we don't answer it later. So just just warning, warning folks there right away. Uh, who's got our patron questions? I do. Thank um, you, Nathan. Question is for Jeff, so we'll skip that one for now. Um, Braxton says that there are uh, uh, several outlets going into the preseason had Seattle's offensive line ranked in the bottom five of the league. Uh, Brian, where do you think Seattle's offensive line ranks league wide by the end of the year? This is a prediction, but I don't think it. Uh, it does. It does uh, conflict a little bit with some of the ones we have, but just no. I think this one. <clears throat> yeah, there's no. There's no real direct ranking. Um, so there's a bunch of ways to interpret that. Like, if I was to say, like, at what level will they be performing relative to other offensive lines at the end of the year? Yep. So now you like versus like where do they rank in something? Um, <clears throat> I'm expecting them to be like middle of the pack. Like if they're in like 15, like, like if they're in a around middle 15, like maybe even better than that, that would be huge. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I know that sounds like pretty tepid, but Seahawks haven't had a lot of lines even in the top 20, probably in the last however many years. So um, with the rookies, I'm hoping that that's around where they're able to get. Yeah, I mean, I think if, if they managed to get a uh, league average line out of having two rookie tackles, that'd be pretty amazing. Yeah. Evan, Brondy wants to know, what one player of all the Seahawks during the Pete Carroll era 
would you most want to see have their number retired in the Ring of Honor? Oh, it's it's got to be Richard Sherman, right? I think it's got to be that moment, that tip that launched us to a Super Bowl. To me, that's probably the most iconic Seahawks moment of the past decade. I've never been more excited, more in pure ecstasy than that moment as a, as a, as a sports fan. Uh, I think it's got to be Richard Sherman. I know there was some weird little drama on his exit, but it sounds like he and Pete have uh, worked it out. And uh, it's, it's cool to see Sherm, you know, mentoring some of our young guys and spending closer time to the team, certainly better than seeing him spend time with the, with the Niners in the off season. So my answer is Sherman for sure. Does anyone here feel different? Really? I mean, I love Sherman. You know, he's one of my favorite players of all time. But I think if you're going to put someone's number, you know, up or retire the number, I mean, I love Sherman. But I think it has to be Marshawn. I know that. You know, you only said that because you you don't like running backs. But it has to be, right? It has to be. I As much as the LOB is is so iconic what are you going to do get rid of all three all four they're not i mean we can't we can't retire all the numbers i think instead you're going to eventually see a banner that just says legion of boom and i really think that that's what it'll end up being there but if you want to hold on to one number and someone who made such an impact you know from the minute he stepped on the field it it's gotta be it's gotta be marshawn a lot of a lot of issues with that but we'll move on uh Uh, he hates running backs he hates well also marshawn was trash when he first got here but anyways for like two um, minutes oh no okay we never don't do it don't do it (laughs) i'll save it past is the past this is a future (laughs) prediction show not we're not predicting the past it's already happened um uh brian uh do you think there's evidence that john has wrestled some personnel control away from pete is, do I think there's evidence of that? Yes. No. Um, I mean, I think that there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of uh, kind of built-in assumptions to that question in the first place about what where the control was to begin with and what's changed. And I guess I would just say I don't think there's much evidence that things have changed um, from how they were before. I think things but, are still functioning pretty much the same. That was going to be my follow-up. Is do you think that things have changed there at all, Evan? Do you think anything's changed there? I have a question for Brian. Actually, a follow-up. Do you think Jody Allen has wrestled any personnel control from Pete Carroll? I don't. I know you've got this weird theory about that. I, I don't think she's done shit about anything with that. Like, I think, I think that you she don't remember has- those death glare stares in the in the in the Seahawks draft room. I remember her seeming like she was having the time of her life in the Seahawks draft room. So, like, I, I, I think she and Burt Cole did what, you know, they do at the end of the year and, and gave the Pete and John probably some, like, harsh feedback or whatever. But, um, yeah, I don't, think, I don't think Pete's a guy that's really going to, like, cow to anybody else. Uh, I think he's going to be Pete. You know, and I don't think he cannot be Pete, even if he wanted to try. So I think he and John are running things the way that they want to run it. I, I, I don't. I don't think anything's changed. 
Um, okay, let's. Uh, I'm gonna kind of throw this out to the group to see if anybody has a strong opinion. Uh, but Max wants to know if the Seahawks were to pick up one player who is currently a free agent, who would it be? Does anyone have a strong? Yeah, Evan, go for it. OBJ. He's a free agent still, isn't he? This dude. This OBJ. OBJ. We've been shitting on our wide receiver depth for so goddamn long during this offseason. Shut up about it. Sign OBJ and just get it done with. You've been screaming all fucking offseason. Tank, 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 tank. And the one guy you want is OBJ. I would just like our franchise quarterback, Geno Smith, to feel comfortable in the players that he's throwing the ball to. I mean, that would certainly be a lot of fun. Uh, does anyone else have uh, a free agent that completely conflicts with your uh, team building philosophy? To <laughs> I was looking up who's free agent. I don't even uh, know who's free anymore. I'd have to look. I it mean, up. OBJ is the interesting one. Uh, Cole Beasley, um, Linval Joseph, according to Over the Cat. I'm just looking. I mean, JPP, D Ford, Dominican yeah. Sue still isn't on the team. Will Fuller, I like better than OBJ, to be honest. Like. He's a, he. Uh, of course, what am I talking about? I'm kind of thinking we still have Russ. Like I always thought, he and Russ would be a really good combo. Um, but I did like. Wait, Blake Martinez is available. Is that official? That's what I'm seeing. Uh, Dana Antonio Brown's a free agent. If you're if if you're interested. If I could reach through this screen, I would <laughs> pinch you. Come on. What about Jimmy Graham? What about Jimmy Graham? Cole Beasley. Seahawks legend Sheldon Richardson is a free agent. Yeah, he's he's pretty much every bit as good as, as Quentin Jefferson. So you you could build a hell of a 2015 offensive or defensive line with like uh Richardson, Star Lutulele, and Dominican Sue. Yeah, there's some dudes out there that are all yeah. supported. There's actually there's some there's some like mildly decent yeah. Malik Jackson. What's wrong with him? He's also like 35, right? Like Kevin King is a free agent? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin King is maybe done. Yeah. Yeah. This is why I didn't even bother to look it up because I knew you guys would rattle them all off. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Maybe one more if we've got one more and then we got to get into predictions. Um, uh, is there anyone here that would have signed Russ to the deal he just got if he had, if he stayed in Seattle? Raise, raise your hand if you would have paid Russ what the Broncos paid him. Oh, if if he was in Seattle? If he was still in Seattle, would would you have wanted Seattle to give him that contract? I think you'd have to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I always, I, this is what I said about that contract today. I said, that's awesome. Good for Russ and good for Seattle for not paying it. Because, I mean, he didn't want to be here. I mean, why, why try and convince a guy to say who didn't want to be here? So, I mean, everybody won. See you later. Yeah, I don't begrudge him that. Yeah. Now, the very different question of like, do I wish that they had him and signed him to that contract? The answer is no. Like flat no. Um, but if he was going to stay in Seattle, I think it was. Yeah, I wouldn't want him to walk yeah. for nothing. Yeah. Almost what's seven your, years is a lot. What's your opinion on Jamal Adams having a higher cap hit than Russell Wilson this year, though? <laughs> me? It was shit. So to be clear, that means absolutely nothing, but it just caused me some emotional trauma. So I needed <laughs> to speak it out. Anything. No, it means absolutely nothing. I just need to speak it out to make myself feel better. That's all. Yeah. That's not okay. It doesn't mean nothing because it, it doesn't mean okay. No, no, Go ahead. it doesn't mean like anything in like some big grand scheme, but like 
people had been talking for years about how, oh, you can't win with a paying your quarterback so much. Okay, well, you're paying Jamal Adams for the what the next two years, right? More than you than Russ is getting paid. So like that whole thing about like, well, you had to trade him because you can't win with a high paid quarterback. Like it's just a joke. And I mean, yeah, Seattle frittered away so much money in other places. Like I don't buy that. You can't pay your quarterback. Thing. The reason they did not reach another Super Bowl over the past decade or whatever is not because of how much they paid Russell Wilson. It's because of the lack of talent they drafted and the personnel decisions they made. I really believe that. Colliers and the Jamal Adams trade yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. I, I, don't, I would agree that all those things were problems. I don't think that if they had gone a different way, all of a sudden they would have won a Super Bowl. Like, I, I, so that, that, that I'm not sure I buy, but like, um, yeah, they had a ton of bad personnel moves, period. That's never going to help. Um, okay, let's, let's move on. We definitely uh, don't want to make this show about Russ. Um, but thank you for the patron questions. And as always, patreon.com slash hawkblogger gets you instant access to the Slack channel, and you can ask us questions throughout the year, however this year will go. All right, are you ready? Okay, you're ready. You look ready. Um, it is week one of the NFL season. The Seahawks are hosting Russell Wilson. I tried to not talk about Russell Wilson, but the, the NFL won't let that happen. He will be our week one opponent in Seattle on Monday Night Football. What's going to happen in this game? Uh, we have got... Let's see, three people who have predicted wins and four, five people that have predicted losses among the crew. Dana, what's gonna happen in this game? I predicted they were gonna win this game. And the reason I predicted they were gonna win this game because if they're gonna win any game this season, it is going to be this one. Pete Carroll will be hell-bent on beating Russell Wilson. And, and the thing of it is, is when he gets that worked up about something, hello, San Francisco 49ers, he does it, right? Plus, there's not another team in the league that knows Russ as well as Seattle does. And I think that they'll be able to somewhat exploit what, he, what they know of him. Um, I think it was very smart of Denver to never put him on the field and to not show anything. Um, during the preseason and it was just as smart as Seattle to never put a starter on a defensive starter on the field to show them whatever this new defense is going to look at I I just feel like of all and Russ has already said oh that's going to be their Super Bowl yeah you're damn right it is and that's okay and I think for for any game they're going to get really up for this year it's going to be that one I mean it's really not unreasonable Mm -hmm. or unrealistic that they could win this game like you, like you said, this is, you know, outside, actually, no, we are the team that knows this player the, the best out of any NFL team. And, you know, if we get a little bit of fumble luck, win a couple turnovers, Geno Smith takes care of the ball. It's possible. It's really not unrealistic. So I didn't I'm surprised. get my, Go ahead, Dana. I was gonna say, I didn't get my Quandre Diggs pick six almost did last year, but not mm-hmm. quite. Quandre, this is the game. If you're going to do it, do it wow. in this game. And by the way, we're not going to go to this level of depth on each game, but this one we have to start a little bit. We'll spend a lot of time next week actually doing a preview of this uh, game and getting more into it. But 
I just do want to say, like, I'm surprised how many people I've seen in my mentions being like, there is no way in hell the Seahawks are winning this game. They're going to get blown out in this game. And I get like thinking that Denver is going to win because Russell's clearly the better quarterback and the better quarterback team usually wins in the NFL, like typically. But we've seen like a lot of evidence of Russ having specific limits in his game. And there's no team that knows those better than the Seahawks. And they happen to now be running a defense that is something that has given Russ trouble at times in the past. Um, and if for some reason Russ doesn't play really well, uh, I don't know. I, I don't see why this couldn't be a win, but I'm predicting a loss. So, um, yes, everyone on this show that you see right now, other than Dana, predicted a loss. Um, the other people that predicted a win, interestingly, one of them worked for uh, the quarterback of the Broncos, Josh Cashman. Um, he predicted a win for the Seahawks, as did Trey. Everybody else was lost. Okay. Anything you want to say about this, Nathan, before we move on? Uh, well, I think the interesting thing <clears throat> is that in his first year in Seattle, Marshawn Lynch rushed 165 times for three and a half yards of carry, which was the worst he'd ever done. Worse than any year he'd had in Buffalo to that point. So that's okay. what I was. That because was he's a god. He's a Seahawks legend. Shut up. <laughs> oh my gosh. I can't believe this is about Marshawn Lynch. Evan, Unreal. let's argue about whether Marshawn Lynch or Lofa Tatupu is the most overrated Seahawks. No. I knew it was oh going to come up. I gosh. knew it was going to come up. <laughs> you know that they're like trying to get me on their show. Like you're not helping. Uh, the oh, Evan. Lofa is? Uh, yeah, uh, yes. Yes. Um, and I'm trying to get him on field goals. So thanks a lot, Evan. <laughs> I mean, his comments weren't wrong about me. So like. No, they weren't. Um, okay, so let's move on. We go to week two. It is at San Francisco, one o'clock game. Uh, <laughs> I love this, this particular week myself. Everybody is predicting a loss except for one person, and that person happens to be on this show. That person is Evan Hill. Evan. What's your thought process here? Seahawks Nation. Let's fly. That's that's my uh that's my that's my thoughts and perspective on this game. No, I think the Seahawks are going to absolutely sweep the Niners this year. I think we own them for a reason. I I am not com- I am not comfortable in Trey Lance's development at all. I think the fact that they kept Jimmy G in the background as a highly paid backup spells disaster for them there's going to be intense media pressure on on trey all year long now it's certainly possible you know he 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 does continue to progress but i think there's a real chance seattle wins that game and i'm gonna talk a shit ton of shit after it yeah i will i joke a little bit but i did ponder that one because um i think the seahawks have beat the 49ers every game but maybe like once or something over the last six just, seven years. they've got like a that. crazy record against the 49ers for years now and, and honestly, it hasn't been because russ has played great against him either by the way it like do we really think trey lance is going to do that much more offensive damage than geno smith because i don't maybe 
I don't know. For me, it's more it's more the talent of the roster. I, I just believe the 49ers roster is like significantly more talented, but I've thought that for years and that hasn't always translated. Yeah, we'll see. I'm going to Seattle. Okay. Uh, week three, we go to back to Lumen Field uh, against the Atlanta Falcons. This is a 125 kick. We'll be in late September at this point. The uh, It'll start to be getting colder. And in this game, finally, more win projections than losses. So everybody but two people are projecting a win in this game. The two people that projected a loss are on this show. Dana. Dana. Why? Um... You big Marcus Mariota fan? Oh, absolutely. No, no. Uh, here's the thing. Here's what I'm predicting for this team overall. I think they're going to put so much energy into week one that they're going to lose to the Niners in week two. Then they're going to come back. And we know how great their record was at home lately. And I think that it's going to come down to maybe a field goal that we won't make. And so, therefore, I think that Seattle is probably going to lose it. I think a lot of the games that I have predicted as losses are going to be tight. They're going to be close games. I don't see a lot of huge blowouts because I actually like the look of this defense. But uh, I think it'll come down to a field goal, and we know how that goes. That's a really unrealistic prediction because Jason Myers is not going to miss a field goal this year. You are so. a liar. <laughs> I'm not even going to ask Evan why he thinks, because we'll, anyway, we have too much ground to cover. Um, week four, at Detroit, 10 a.m. kick. Uh, this is a game that everybody but two people have as a win. And the two people that predicted the loss are on this show. I, I am one of those two people. Um, yeah, I... I actually think Detroit's a team that's going to be maybe above 500 this year. Like, I, I think there's a chance. I, I, I think that they've made some strides. And I think it could just be one of those games where the Seahawks, I just don't know that the Seahawks are going to be favored to win a lot of games this year. And I could just see the home team there getting a little bit extra and uh, pushing that. But I, I, I thought about this one. Um, Evan was the other person. Get used to this, folks. Evan's got a lot of L's on his. Um, we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, so let me give you a quick recap through four games. Um, I have them at one and three. Nathan has them at two and two. Evan has them at one and three. Jeff, two and two. Dana, two and two. Josh, three and one. The bullish Josh Cashman has them at three and one after four games, as does Trey Cole. And Derek has them at two and two. Okay. Continuing the next quarter of the season, we've got at New Orleans, 10 a.m. I really wanted to go to this game. I don't know if it's going to happen. Dana's going to be there. Evan's too cheap to fly there. Uh, but, you know, who knows? Who knows? Um, <laughs> the Saints are not that good of a team. They're not that good. All of us predicted a loss here. What? That seems a little bit odd. Nathan, did you have a reason why you like, was this an easy one for you or? 
I mean, so every year this this is hard for me because like I, I don't think they're going to beat Atlanta and Detroit and New Orleans and the Giants, you know, and Vegas. And like there's so many of these games where yes, they will be in it, but like they're not good enough to win all of them. And so this was the one where I decided to put an L on it. It's a way game. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I didn't have a lot of reason behind it other than I just don't think they're going to win all of these games. Yeah, for me, it was it was the Saints defense. I think it's a it's a pretty good unit and and at home. I just don't know that I trust the offense yet. So didn't that, one of their key guys go down for something today or am I hallucinating? Maybe. I don't know. It was something bad, like arrested or something. Hmm. Marcus May, their starting safety. Yeah, he'll oh. probably be back by then. Most likely, he'll be back right for that game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay. Uh, next, week six, home against Arizona and their diminutive quarterback, uh, Kyler Murray. This is a one o'clock game, and everybody had this as a loss except for one person and that person is on the show nathan ernst i don't i don't bring the sunshine nathan i mean i only have rain for arizona like i I don't i don't have any faith or like hope for that team this year Uh, uh hopkins will still be out right he's suspended for six games um there's drama with the quarterback the coach is kind of a question mark they've lost some guys I just don't think Arizona's gonna be very good um so yeah like again like I could very easily see them beating New Orleans and losing to Arizona or vice versa um but I like the idea of them beating Arizona so I put a W on that one yeah Arizona is gonna be an interesting all these are going to be interesting dynamics in the NFC West without Russell and seeing how things change and with a different offensive line. Like the script had always been Russell played really well in Arizona pretty regularly and the Seahawks played really well. So did Marshawn. Um, the Seahawks usually lost at home, but often it was because Chandler Jones was rushing the passer and like we couldn't figure out how to have a tackle, good tackle play. Like we might have good tackle play now. Anyway, like it, it's going to be interesting to see how these teams shake out with the, the new personnel. Uh, okay. Next week at, uh, at Los Angeles, at the Rams, uh, 125 kick and not a lot of variation. Everybody has the Seahawks losing to the reigning Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams. Next, we go to uh, the New York Giants. Sorry, the New York Giants come to... Seattle for 125 kick and we got a little bit of a mix on this one. We've got what two, four, six predicting wins and oh, just two projecting a loss here. <laughs> one of them is Josh Cashman. Uh, <laughs> we'll get it to Josh in a second here. The other is Mr. L himself. I think he should just do this for the rest of the show. Uh, Evan. Why do you have them losing to the Giants at home? Have you seen Danny Dimes ever play football? <laughs> have you ever seen that man play football? No. Uh, the short the short answer is I think the Seahawks are a really bad football team, and they're going to lose some really bad games this year, and this is going to be one of them. <laughs> There's a team so- that is worse than Seattle. 
it is the New York Giants. That team is a disaster. You're not wrong. You're not Absolute wrong. I 100% agree with you. Yeah. But the Seahawks are pretty bad, too. I don't I, know. I think, I'm telling you. It's bad. What is the Seahawks record against the Giants? Uh, they've had some awful games against the Giants. I don't know if they... It's also a classic. Them, Wait, when was the last time that we even played them? It's been a minute. Uh, well, the Colt McCoy game, right? I remember... Oh, oh, God, that was the paper bag game. Oh, my God. Yeah. I hate you for bringing that up. I flushed that out of my brain. Oh, my God. Was it the Jim Moore, the, the Jim Moore year, like the first Pete Carroll year where they got, like, just blasted oh it was the first Pete Carroll year at home and that's when the Giants had a couple of really good receivers and they just lit us up we also though 2011 that was the Brandon Browner fumble like wasn't that the the return like that was a that was a classic game that was awesome uh, these are these are not those giants people i'm telling no. you right now yeah but they, not... they blew it against the colt mccoy, McCoy giants like for I don't sure know. absolutely we have right. shockingly gone past quota on talking about the giants game so we're gonna we're gonna keep going here uh so uh after eight games not quite half a season anymore remember folks we are at the annoying 17 game season uh i have them at two and six to start the season um Nathan Nathan Sunshine Ernst that's his middle name now is four and four uh Evan Hill is one and seven is one win you gotta love the guy his one win is at San Francisco like I will tell you what if you could beat the 49ers and you could beat the the Broncos I would take three wins and be totally that's success that is the definition of success for the Seahawks. I would take that. In a minute. Seriously. Um, okay, Evan has them at one and seven. Jeff has them at three and five. Dana three and five. Josh, Josh went from three and one to three and five. He's got them on a four-game losing streak in the second four games. Derek uh, three and five, and Trey at four and four. So the most optimistic through eight games. And this, this, this show includes Dana O'Gorman, Dana O'Gorman is four and four. And Dana is not one of those that predicted four and four. Hold on. Here we go. Uh, into the second part, this, the, the third quarter, I guess, of the season. It's not quite a quarter, but you follow. Uh, we are at Arizona at one o'clock. And in this game, um, we have got three win predictions and everyone else is a loss. Um, I am the only one on this show that predicted a win. And I kind of went back and forth on this, partially because I agree with Nathan. I think that one, I think the Cardinals are overrated. Two, I think the Cardinals are fast starters and abysmal finishers. Uh, three, I think the Seahawks have played well in Arizona. I think it's pretty hospitable for the there's a ton of Seahawks fans that show up to these games. I don't know if there'll be as many <laughs> this year, but even if the team's bad, I'll be lying. It's in November. I said to Rachel, uh, my wife, I was like, oh, we could go visit our family in Arizona that time and go see a Seahawks. I can go see a Seahawks game and enjoy some sun. So I still think there'll be Seahawks fans. That's why I have them as a win. Josh Cashman is the other person that's got them as a win. Okay. Week 10 is a home game. But it's it's not home. It is in Germany, right? So 
the Seahawks get completely jobbed by having their this is the season when the Seahawks would have had more home games than away games with the uneven schedule they lost one of their home games uh, I guess if you're going to lose it in a season this would be the season to potentially lose it but it's still annoying they're playing against Tampa Bay with Tom Brady most likely and uh Dana, I have some bad news for you. I know you're going to the game. Nathan, I know you're trying to go as well. You'll at least be in the in the country. Uh, nobody has them winning this game. Uh, it's 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 losses across the board. I'm I'm not trying to argue with you, but I think it's the Bucks home game. What did I say? You said it was a Seahawks home game. It's a Bucks home game. Well, not it that it matters. The, not it that says it matters. in the schedule versus Tampa Bay. Oh, this one, yeah, because on the, sh- oh, you can't see it because no, the blue right, screen, Dana. but it says Seahawks, Buccaneers, and Buccaneers are in the bottom. You are right, Dana. Well, ESPN. Either wrong. way, it doesn't matter. They're not going to win the game, guys. They're not ESPN's gonna win. wrong. Well, so take back everything I said, other than the fact that they're no. going to lose the game. <laughs> okay. Um, the Seahawks then get a bye week. And then after that, we go, uh, hopefully this is the right the rest of the way. You should check my, uh, my oh, ESPN schedule. It's it's home versus Las Vegas, the Raiders, and this is a one o'clock kick. This is Thanksgiving. Like I don't know if it's it's not Thanksgiving Day, but it's right around that time of, of year. Um, we've got three people projecting wins, everybody else projecting losses. Two of us projected wins. Two of us projected losses. Dana, why do you think they're going to lose this game? You're on mute, Dana. I was so busy apologizing to you on chat that then I didn't hear what you don't have to apologize. I appreciate the correction. <laughs> I, I'm wrong all the time. What week? What what team is it? What game? The Vegas, the Raiders. Oh, no. You got them as a loss. Oh, yeah. Um, they are gonna lose to every AFC West team except for the Broncos. I think, and it, this is my hope, and this is just not very kind of me. So please forgive me, listeners. Um, I hope to God it's the Seahawks game that is the definer in that division because I think they're gonna beat the Broncos and then lose to all the other three AFC West teams, and then that will mess with some seeding. It's my hope. My hope. It's not nice, it's not kind. I understand that. But here's the thing. The AFC West is now what the NFC West used to be. It is killer. This division is murderous and they are going to beat the ever loving snot out of each other. And it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. So I just don't feel like Seattle has enough to beat those AFC West teams. Who are the pass rushers for the Raiders? Chandler Jones and right. Uh, uh, the guy from last year who blew up. Yeah. Yeah, oh, Max. Yeah, Max Crosby. Yeah, Max. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's rough. Um, okay, so <laughs> we'll play Chandler Jones uh, one way or another, uh, most likely. All right. Next week is at the Rams, and this is a one o'clock kick on December fourth. And drum roll, please. Everybody got this as a loss. Uh, so you may be surprised. Um, Evan now after 12 games has the team at one and 11, he attempted to put a loss in the bye week Um, I, did did I really, no, he didn't, (laughs) but I thought it was, I thought it was worth trying to say. So (laughs) Evan's got him at one and 11. And by the way, 
Evan, I think you're pretty happy about that, aren't you? This is best case scenario for Seattle. Add a, add a dub for the Denver game. I, I, I tweeted this earlier today. The best case scenario for the Seattle Seahawks is strong roster development, stars in the making, good foundation. That's priority number one. Priority number two, sweeping the Niners. Priority number three, beating Denver. <laughs> yes. Uh, someone in chat's talking about whether Aaron Donald will have his helmet for this game, which is a fair question. Um, he most likely will, and that will be bad news for the Seahawks. Uh, all right. I am at four and eight after 12 games. Nathan, Sunshine Ernst is five and seven. Uh, Jeff is three and nine. Dana is three and nine. Josh is four and eight. You got, excuse me. I said it's true. It's, it's true. true. It's yeah. true. I'm looking at the numbers. Uh, Josh is four and eight. Derek is three and nine. Trey. Trey has taken the mantle of bull. Uh, he is at six and six through 12 games. That is the most bullish. So the most bullish through eight games was 500. The most bullish through 12 games is 500 so far. Expectations not high so far for this team. That is, we are predicting that to be a brutal stretch of eight games from that New Orleans game to the Rams game, week five to week 13. You, Brian, you and, and me have the most, have the rosiest outlook uh, with Seattle going three and five over that stretch. Uh, nobody else has them winning even three games in that over those eight games. So let's take a second and like look back over the games up till now. Tell me how many games were toss up or, you know, or at least a difficult call. I'll, I mean, I'll go first. For me, like Denver, honestly, I had it as a loss. Could have, I, I, I could see that being a win. Um, Detroit, I have it a loss. Could have been a win. New Orleans, uh, Arizona at home. Um, those are probably the ones that are like kind of close. There's a handful. Is that roughly about the number you guys all had? That were there others that you considered? Very close to putting Denver as a win as well. Mm-hmm. That's surprising. I, I don't think Denver. I, I'm not very close on Denver, but I think there's kind of a range from Atlanta to Las Vegas. Like so, Atlanta, Detroit, uh, New Orleans, Arizona, Giants, Arizona, and Vegas. All those. Like, I will not be surprised if Seattle wins any one <laughs> or two of those games, but it's just a matter of how many can they get, and I don't think it'll be that many. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, part of my reason I'm asking is because, like, I mean, if they win all of those, then they'd be over 500, um, you know, relative to what I had, but not by a lot. Um, so, like, I don't know. The the <laughs> Like, the variance, I don't think, is quite as high, at least through those first 12 games. Um, I, don't, I don't know. If it, <laughs> I don't know about it. Evan's the, the big outlier here, which I love outliers. But, uh, yeah. I just really think that so these games are going to be close. I don't think this team is quite the disaster that everyone wants to keep predicting it. And actually, I've heard some national media members agree. They're like, this team isn't a disaster. It it just doesn't have Russell Wilson on it. They don't have a quarterback. Agreed. Um, But that doesn't mean that your defense is going to fall apart every game. You're getting blown out. I really think it comes down to it's going to come down to some close games and some decision making that I think 
I, I'm not sure our quarterbacks will make the proper decisions on, but I think they could be close. I, I definitely, especially those, those divisional games, the San Francisco and Arizona games. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I should have said we were playing the chargers um, at that point. So thank you for the correction. Um, but yes, uh, there's still, I think the same predictions, by the way, uh, along there. Um, there's just someone in the chat. Everyone in the chat's like, Hey, the, the, you know, the real Hawk, talk podcast you know everyone's so negative um i love that people have um more optimism than what we're hearing here i'm not upset about the seahawks having a losing season like this is like i think i'm more confused by the fact that there's a lot of folks that think man this team could be a playoff contender and make some noise that seems that seems really counterintuitive to me um, so I'm not predicting that, obviously. I mean, we'll get to the end here and see where I clearly do not predict that. But look, every team in the league has the, if everything goes right, you know, we could make the playoffs, right? Uh, Detroit and a lot of teams, Atlanta can, can do play this game, right? But I think Seattle is a little unique in that they have some things that they did last year that if they do it again, then I don't think that we'll be sitting here at the end of the year if they make the playoffs and be going like, oh my God, how did that happen, right? Like, if if the defense last year in terms of points allowed is for real and they can do it again, then that's a top 12-ish defense, right? If the running game is anything close to what it was last year and they can repeat that and Gino isn't a disaster, then you're talking about a top 20 offense, at least right i mean the running game was insane last year and i don't think they'll get that but like they showed a very good running game over several weeks so i, I just i could very easily see us you know looking back on this and you know six and eleven a lot of seven and tens and they're in the playoffs and we're going well yeah i guess okay some of those things that they did from you know the previous year were real and okay we're in the playoffs right it's not actually completely insane i think it's a big long shot it's a lot of ifs that have to happen but i i think the team has to pass to the playoffs no i i completely agree i mean like you know the the concept of variance right and like and or dispersion right and, and like of, of all the probabilities that could come out there like how what's the range and like the center of the range for me is like below 500 but the top end of the range of possibilities is that they win 10 games and, you know, make the playoffs. Like, I don't think that's insane. Yeah. I just think it's odd that that's for some folks, that's the middle of the range. Like, like they expect that. Um, and we just went through a preseason where people were talking themselves in the drew lock. This fan base can do anything. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Let's keep pressing forward. Uh, apologies, by the way, on, on getting the week seven game against the Chargers wrong, but uh, I'm relatively certain all the predictions would be the same. Um, okay, so week 14, this is the final stretch of five games. We've got home against Carolina, 125. Um, we've got three people projecting a loss in that game. The only person on the show is Evan. Evan, why do you think they're going to lose to Baker Mayfield at home? Baker Mayfield is good at football. Oh, Evan. He's is not he? terrible, but the rest of that team is. I actually really like Baker. Like, I think he's good. Um, I have no further extent on this analysis. The Seahawks are bad. <laughs> Baker Mayfield is good. We will lose. Yeah. There you go. Oh, that's so funny. Just uh, be honest here. 
Yeah. Okay. Um, home against San Francisco Thursday night. So home against Carolina, and then we stay home uh, to play the 49ers on Thursday night football. Everybody has this as a win, including Evan, except for Nathan. You motherfucker! Why don't you? Why don't you predict it? Yeah, fuck win you, here? Nathan. What the fuck? Jesus, dude. What happened to Sunshine? I'm stripping the name. I'm taking it back. Yeah, give him more dubs this year, please. At this point, they'll have replaced Trey Lance with Jimmy, and uh, that's a quality defense that Jimmy can get. Yeah, you redeemed with. yourself a little bit. Yeah, there you go. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'll take that answer. Okay. Wait, okay. Dana, you think they're going to win this game? I do. I do think they're going to win this game. They've been back-to-back at home, and I – I didn't go with the Jimmy route. Could I think he'll be traded to the Giants by then? But um, I think that um, their injury bug, which hammers them every year, will have piled up their injuries. And I think by that game, that they'll just kind of be a shell of who they were. I have a question for you guys. We're entering the 2024 regular season. Is Trey Lance a 49er? 2024? Entering the 2024 season. So two years from now. Yes. I don't know, but I think if he doesn't make it through this year, then no. If he define make it through this year. Like like health wise or if if he loses that starting position by by the end of the year, I don't know if he'll be here next be there next year like 2024 like that's not the question for me i think there's a very real chance that he gets the boot after this year he either like makes it and will be there for a while or he will not be there next year interesting i think i think i think the the only way that happens is if the coach and the gm are fired which could happen Um, we i still don't buy that shanny likes this dude I still don't buy that any of them at this point like Trey Lance. Like, you don't keep Jimmy G around. Like, that's just... I I, I still think that Shani secretly hates him, and I buy all the rumors that he wanted Mac Jones the whole time, and they they botched it. I I buy those, too. I guess my my thought is I think the only reason that Jimmy G is still on the roster is because they could not bear to let someone else get him for nothing. Like that, I don't think this has anything to do with hedging bets on Trey Lance. I think they were, they, they made it like they did one of the worst poker plays in history by telling everybody that Jimmy G was going to be like, he, I don't know if everyone knows, like he literally was like not allowed in practices. He was like off on a side field. He wasn't given access. Like they gave him like a goodbye press conference. Like he was gone. John Lynch said that they got really like, in a press conference or publicly was like, yeah, we really got screwed by his injury. It didn't let us trade him. Like that was something that he openly said to the press. It wasn't <laughs> his injury. That was that damn contract. And well, we all know I mean, it. okay. But John Lynch, I'm, trying, I'm saying, like, he's just, a he, he's like Baker Mayfield. Like he's like an okay quarterback. Like I certainly would. Anyway, I, I, I think the Trey Lance thing's interesting. Um, I think that roster and Mike Shanahan can win with a lot of people. So we'll, we'll see, especially a quarterback that can impromptu run around and probably get some yards. Um, okay. So uh, at Kansas City, 10 a.m. game, 
okay. Next. Um, uh, home against the New York Jets, one o'clock game. Um, we have one fucker who predicted a loss. Anyone want to guess who that who that was? His uh, Niners fandom dies hard. He just can't go against Robert Sala. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. This could be the Denzel Mims revenge game if he gets traded to the Seahawks. The Jets have owned us in, 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 in some mental, psychological ways. In some he, pretend he, mental he, he places owns, in brain. He owns John Schneider, and in turn, he owns me. And that hurts me. It hurts my soul. So the Jets are going to win this game. Oh my God! Uh, this is okay. Evidence clearly. Game. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's funny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just telling you, this is going to be the most humiliating loss of the entire season. You know, yeah, I think it's very clear. Evan, Evan was going for um, for a troll uh, takes on on this uh, this prediction show. Uh, um, no, they're losing that game. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, home against, <laughs> double checking, yes, the Rams. Uh, and there is one person who projected a win in this game. God bless you, Josh Cashman. Uh, he projects a win. Uh, everybody else is a loss. So where does that leave us at the end of the season? I am at 7 and 10. Nathan, 7 and 10. Evan, two and fifteen. Who are your two wins against, Evan? The San Francisco 49ers. Because we own them. I have to admit, when I saw your prediction, it made me laugh out loud. I, I, it would be. Hysteric. It is success. It is. There would be like maybe nothing funnier. Like, like pick your favorite comic. I don't know that anything would make me laugh harder than watching 49er Twitter trying to make sense of the Seahawks sweeping them and going to like losing to everybody else in the NFL. Like so, so just imagine delicious in a like really weird way. Brian, just imagine this. It's mid-December. It's getting cold in California. The Niners are in a heated contested race for the wild card. December 15th. <laughs> the Niners come to Seattle. And the Seahawks dock them an L, set them back in the wild card race. They missed the playoffs because of that loss. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Wait, I got to make it a little bit better. The sure. first half, Geno Smith plays, throws two touchdowns, no interceptions, but he, he twists an ankle, can't play the second half. Drew Locke comes in. He throws two more touchdowns. Oh. So they actually lose – to both Drew Locke and Geno Smith. Oh, keep Dang going. Man. Don't stop, Ryan. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> this content's not appropriate for this website. Oh, my gosh. I, it really would be hilarious. It would be so funny. Um, okay, Jeff's got them at 6-11. and 11. Dana, you also have them at 6-11. Dana's on the low end here, folks. I mean, everybody that thinks Dana's just like all sunshine and optimism, like Dana's a real, she's a, she knows her stuff. She's Sunshine, not... optimism, and logic would dictate yes. that about a six to seven game win is what you're going to get out of this season. And yeah. I, to be honest with you, I will be okay if it's the two. 
I, I'm this season to me has nothing to do with wins and losses. hundred percent. Yeah. Well said, Josh has them at seven and 10. Derek has them at five and 12. Trey, Trey. Does he have them making the playoffs? It's adorable. Trey has them Aww. at nine and eight. We love you, Trey. And he has them losing in the wild card. He's the only person that has them making the playoffs. So I am sure Trey is now a Real Hawk Talk fan favorite. Um, people are going to be like, get him on the show. We need someone who has hope. You guys are driving us crazy. But so let's run through this because I think it's really interesting to the whole conversation about like on the range of possible outcomes, how crazy is it for them to be to, to make the playoffs, right? Trey has them beating Denver. Several of us did. He has them beating Atlanta. I think most of us did. Beating Detroit. Uh, everyone except for Evan did. Um, beating the Giants. None of this is crazy so far, right? Winning at Arizona. Beating the Raiders. Beating Carolina. Uh, beating the Jets. And so the the one like really big upset, uh, even though I think like everyone but me had them w- winning this game, is at home against the Niners. Um. And, you know, you could very easily, you know, okay, say that's a loss. Maybe the Rams have nothing to play for the last week of the year, the last week, and you beat a, a team that doesn't have Matt Stafford playing for that game, right? So, like, will all of those wins happen? Probably not. Are any, is any one of them insane or crazy? No, not really. It's just, you know, probably a little luck that has to go their way, but it's there for them. And yeah. this team has a tendency to pull a random unexpected win out of their hat when they should not be winning it for any reason that could happen again. So you could end up for some reason, beating the Chargers or the Raiders or some of those other harder teams that we don't expect them to. I think it's just going to be, this is cheesy because football is always a game of inches, but especially for this team, it's just going to be a game of inches. It's going to be tight, I think. And watch, they're going to get blown out every game and I'll look like an idiot, but I just don't feel that from this team. Okay, so there's something interesting about this. So nobody look at the spreadsheet for a second. There are, I think, five games we all have them losing. Kansas City, um, at the Rams, uh, the Tampa game, at the Chargers. And do you know what the other game is that we all have them losing? We all picked them to lose to the Saints. I don't That's know. Why. Weird. <laughs> That's weird. That's really, really weird. weird. Yeah. I mean, it's an away game. It's a 10 a.m. game, East Coast. So, you know, but yeah, thought that was odd. Um, I have one question for you all before we get to the other part of our predictions. We're getting to specific players, specific random stats. Um, let's say, let's say, all the good things happen. Let's say Geno Smith is actually um, a good, decent quarterback this year. I won't say good. Let's just say decent quarterback this year. Let's say that DK and him have a strong connection. Uh, let's say that the Shane Waldron offense actually works better with, you know, uh, Geno running at some of the throws he can make that maybe Russ isn't as comfortable with, and they've had an offseason to work on it. Let's say that um, D. Eskridge is actually a better player than he's shown so far. And Rashad Penny is the running back. And uh, Ken Walker comes on as a secondary player. Let's say that the offensive line is good in both pass protection and run protection or run blocking. Um, let's say that the defense ends up being better, that the coverage is better than it's been, that this, the safeties play well. 
that the pass rush is better um, and that they're somehow like a top 10 defense, um, which isn't totally crazy. And I'm talking about in terms of points allowed. Um, and let's say that the most insane of all this, Jason Myers only misses like 10 kicks. Um, so this team then goes and wins 10 games. They win 11 games. Let's say one of those, like, let, let's just say for something that, that happens. How do you feel about that? Right? I'm You're getting a lower draft pick next year. You won't be, you won't be winning a Super Bowl. Let's say you make the playoffs, you lose early, but you've made like a lot of these players have progressed. How do you feel if that's what happens in this season? Conflicted. <laughs> I think conflicted is a really good word, actually. Conflicted completely because you, you it, on one hand, you, you, we want them to do well. We want them to play well. We want to prove to a lot of the rest of the world that this team was just not Russell Wilson alone. And yet at the other side of it, damn it, why would you do that when you have the opportunity to get one of these quarterbacks next year? But Brian, you said this once, and it kind of changed my perspective a little bit. You said they have the draft capital to still go up and get the quarterback that they want. And I think that's something we need. So if they get there, I don't want the tank, the people who are all about tanking to be too upset because there's still that opportunity there. I didn't say that the Broncos are going to win. One of those first round picks could be top five still. Could you um, imagine if, if the Seahawks suck next year? And I'm not predicting this. I'm not saying I want this to happen, to be clear. But if Russell had like an injury issue or something like that, could you imagine Seattle having like two top five picks? Now you're going to have to stop. Uh, but, but, but even if they had, I think if, if the Seahawks made the playoffs and then they had a top five pick or a top seven pick, that's also pretty interesting. Yeah. Nathan, I wanted to hear from you on this because you started to say, like, confused? Is that what you said? Confused, for sure. I mean, if they win, like, 11 games, if they're, like, legit good, I'm confused. Um, I think the thing that will be really interesting if that happens, I think the biggest talking point, because let's assume that something crazy doesn't happen with Denver. They're going to be pretty good. I, I don't, you know, the chances you get something top 15 from them is pretty unlikely. So I don't think they will have the ammunition. If they're picking like 17 and 22 or something like that, don't think that gets you up into the top five to get a quarterback necessarily, you know, at least to get your pick of the litter. Um, and you don't have Gino under contract next year or Locke either for that matter, if he's the one that ends up taking you that far. So you're going to end up in this interesting, there's going to be this really interesting conversation about like, well, how good is Gino really? And how much do you pay him? And, Will other teams be like trying to swoop in and grab him and re recreate what Seattle did? So it's like, okay, do you trade all your picks to try to move up? Do you just pay G? Like, I mean, the discourse will be interesting for sure. I think that's the, if Gina was like on a three-year deal, then I think that's a much easier thing to just be like, oh, okay, well, yeah, let's just roll forward again. But without without having that quarterback situation settled either way, it'll just be super awkward. I think. I don't think there's any situation that Geno Smith would be a sought after free agent. God, this conversation gives me so much anxiety, literally, because I'm not kidding. If Seattle to were to end up in that, you know, purgatory, it, it, it exactly. Yeah. It really, if they have a quarterback, they really like in next year's class and they end up being a late teens pick or mid teens or whatever. 
they're going to have to leverage the future to an extensive amount. And I'm just not comfortable with it. Like, well, in let's an be I- realistic. That, that's probably not going to happen. Let's be, I mean, being realistic, that's probably not going to happen. So that I they mean, would go that far. You're saying that they, that they would be an 11 win team. I, yeah. If they, if they were eh, feather and yeah. Pete Carroll's cap and all the Pete Carroll haters are gonna have to shut the hell up because that would be huge. But yeah. at the same time, I, I mean, it's just, let's be honest. It's not super realistic. I think I will right. say, uh, I think Nathan is much more bullish on the Broncos than I am. I, I think I agree with Dana's assessment of that division. I think unless Russ is playing, I think Russ is going to have to play MVP level. And we've talked about it, how hard that is. And like, we've, that's what we've said for him in Seattle for years. He hasn't done it. He's come close for stretches, but he hasn't done it for the course of the year. New team, new offense, new players. I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm all, I would honestly, not be guys, shocked if Denver ends up below 500. I'm almost more excited to watch Broncos games this year just because of the pure unknown. Genuinely, like the 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 storylines that develop from it are crazy. Like if they suck, it impacts the Seahawks so hard. But if they're really good, it you know it it kind of impacts the the the, the dynamic of what was happening in Seattle. Like I'm gonna be like, there's two teams I'm gonna watch every single game of this year. The Seahawks and the Broncos. I think it's more likely that the Seahawks win 11 games than the Broncos finish under 500. Mm. Wait, 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 wait. Say that again? Mm. I think it's more likely that Seattle wins 11 games than that the Broncos finish below 500. Oh, I disagree. The only year that Russ has been under 500 yeah. was last year when he was hurt for mm-hmm. a long stretch. Like, And we're talking about a dude that was throwing to Freddie Swain, who is now on a practice squad, and uh, 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 David Moore, who is not in the league. Uh, and- well, you're talking about like individual receivers. He was throwing to DK Metcalf and Tyler. Yeah, Lockett, talking- who- okay, these guys had prominent roles. I mean, like, and, and though you know, we were just talking a little bit ago about like, hey, just kind of show the Broncos third receiver. What uh, they uh, the tight end? Who is their tight end? They have a good tight end. No, I'm. But anyway, and go on. They I'm, have- I'm not following your logic. That's why I'm asking. Oh, my, okay, well, my logic, okay, even if you say their third receiver is also terrible, uh, he's always gotten this team to, like, 10 wins. Like, he's never been close to 500 when he's been healthy. And that was in years, like, in 2018, where we thought this was going to be, like, a four or five win team. So has he ever, like, can we criticize him for never really hitting that MVP high for an entire season? Yeah, sure. But like every time we thought this team was going to crater out, it didn't come close. There's another way to look at this though. Last eight games of 2020 and pretty much all of last season, Russ wasn't that good of a quarterback. Ooh, pre-injury last year. Don't, don't, I'm not sure that's accurate. Can, can I just say, I I give Bob Condotta a lot of crap online as he retweets everything that has the words Russell Wilson in it. And I'm going to say that he's no longer on our team. So let's (laughs) let's move on. Fair enough. enough. All right. So let's talk. We're going to move into the second phase of our prediction show. These are going to be some random things. Um, And we're going to go through each one of them. The first one. Despite the fact that, that a lot of us said this is the least meaningful part of the preseason was who is going to win the quarterback battle, it is the first prediction we're going to ask about here, which is how many starts Geno Smith is going to have this season. Uh, by the way, haven't already said it, please participate in the chat 
add your predictions. How many of the 17 games will Geno Smith start? Feel free to add your answers there. Dana, you were the least amount of anybody on the show. Trey was the lowest overall. Trey, the guy that has us with the most wins, had Gino only starting nine games. Maybe that's part of his prediction. I don't know. Dana, you had him at 12. Mm-hmm. Why? I think he'll get hurt. He hasn't played a full season in a really, really long time. And so I think it'll start to catch up to him and he'll either get hurt or get pulled. Um, I just don't, even as good as the line looked, I just feel like there's going to be a, a time when they're either going to look at him and say, we need to try, or let, let's say they're only hit three wins by the time they get 12 games in. And they're like, you know, let's just let, let Drew play for a while. Why not? You know, or he'll get injured. I just think that because it's been so long since he's played a full season, that, 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 that injury prob- probability is a little higher. Interesting. Okay. Evan, you had him at every game, 17. Yeah. I was a little surprised to see that. Why? I just think he stays healthy this year. Um, it's a, it's a big opportunity for him. Uh, maybe he doesn't even stay healthy and he just forces it. And maybe Drew Locke is that bad. Um, yeah, I think he plays every game. Okay. Um, next is Geno Smith passing touchdowns. How many passing touchdowns will Geno Smith have this season? Um, Jeff had him at the most with 20. Um, Nathan, you're up there at second most with 19. Why? I just think he'll be okay. And that feels like an okay amount of touchdowns. I don't, I don't know. That's fine. The, the, to give folks some reference, that would have ranked 20th in the NFL last year, tied with Jared Goff, one more than what Teddy Bridgewater had in Denver, one less than what Taylor Heineke had in Washington, um, yeah, I, one I, less than Jimmy Garoppolo had or Matt Ryan had. I, I looked at that list of the touchdown leaders and yeah, I got down into that, like Teddy Bridgewater and Jared Goff, this feels right. So I just kind of slapped him in there. Interesting. Um, okay. Next. Um, Rashad Penny rushing yards. The man who had like 700 yards in like five games or something like that to end last year. How many rushing yards will he have? Feel free to, Put your answer in chat. Uh, I had him with the most. I had him at 1,100 yards, and I actually had him at 12, and I bought, pulled him back down to 11. Like some of Marshawn's best years were like 12 and a, and a half or something, and I don't know. Like, I guess I'm buying on Rashad Penny. I, I think that I think he's going to be good. I think the run blocking looked like promising, and I think that some of the players that were part of that uh, line last year that were part of the run blocking, whether it was Jake Curran or Phil Haynes or uh, what have you, I think are, are part of this line. And um, yeah, I think, I think Penny might end up being a legit star like for the year. That, I, I think that's possible. Um, so that's why I have him at there. <laughs> Evan's got him at the least uh, at 400 yards injury or some other reason, Evan. Um- it's a combination, frankly. I, I don't trust his ability to stay healthy. And I also believe Kenneth Walker is going to be this year's offensive breakout star. Ah, we will get to that. In a so it's bit. less of, less Penny and more Walker. Frankly. Got it. Got it. Thank you. Next, what will 
Charles Crosses, our, our number nine overall pick, our franchise left tackle. What will his PFF rating be next year? Um, Evan, you're the most bullish. You had the highest rating uh, over 80, 81.2, which is like yeah. essentially Pro Bowl quality left tackle play. For yeah. those that don't remember, over 90 is basically all pro like it'll be best of the best. I think this guy's going to be a star. I, I really do. I think outside of, uh, you know, a pending future quarterback selection, this will be the most important pick, whether it turns out right or not of Seattle's next decade of, of drafting left tackle is one of the most premium premium critical positions in the NFL. Uh, you know, an elite left tackle goes for like 23, 24, $25 million now a year. Um, it's a stable, a staple of the offense. You need a left tackle. Good Super Bowl, you know, contenders have strong left tackles. I think he's going to be a stud. Um, one of the interesting things here is everybody had pretty positive ratings here. I mean, I, I was among the lower ones. I had 72.4. Jeff had 73.4. Nathan had 75. Dana had 78.4. Derek was 72. Uh, Josh was 79.6. Trey was 73.2. I mean, essentially, we're all saying like this guy is going to prove to be a legitimate starter this year. Anything over 70 at left tackle as a rookie would be pretty freaking impressive. Um, so I think that that would be I think we'd all be happy if, if any of these numbers were true. I think we'd all probably be happy. Um, Abraham Lucas, our bookend. This is the fantasy, folks. This is, you know, we come out of this draft with a decade plus set of bookend tackles. Um, Abraham Lucas is the other part of this, our third round pick. What will his PFF rating be? Um, this one, people are a little bit more bullish on this rating than even Charles Cross. Uh, I thought that was interesting, except for Jeff. Uh, Jeff had him at 69.4. Everybody else was over 70 and three folks were over 80. So Evan, you were 87.9. That is... That is ballsy, dude. I am uh, on the eight. 81.6, Josh 83.8, and Trey was 85.8. So I was wrong. Four people. Evan, I interrupted. Go ahead. I am on the Abe Lucas train. Chew, chew, motherfuckers. Did you see him pancake legitimate defenders in preseason? Every Man, game. I am on the I'm on the fucking train for Abe Lucas. I'm so excited about him. He might legitimately be better than Charles Cross. He did go to an inferior Washington State University, but that's okay. We'll, for, we'll forgive him for that. But I'm on the train. I'm stoked. I, I can't get more excited. Dana, you had him up there as well with your 81.6. I, I completely agree. I, I don't know if I'm on a two-two train, but I, I definitely agreed. He he was so impressive. And I and I do think I gave him a little higher grade. I I think a left tackle as great as crosses, it, it's it's a little harder position. Maybe that's a wrong way to put it, but I just think it, there's a way that Abe Lucas just took that position and ran with it. I mean, there's no question anymore. He's the starter. Right. And, and just bowled through people. It was so fun to watch. And it's those types of moves that he was doing that get you those good grades. So I thought it was fun. Nathan, you and I are very similar. I had 77.3, you had him at 78. My reasoning was, I, I think that Lucas is a better run blocker than Charles Cross is at this point. And so I think that from an overall grade, I think he'll grade out better than, than Charles Cross. I'm curious, like, what were, what were your thoughts about how you came to your grade? 
yeah, both what, what you just said and what Dana said, like, I think he has some of these flash plays and I think he'll be a little bit, he'll grade out a little bit more well-rounded and I, I don't know, the PFF composite grades don't always make a lot of sense to me, but um, I feel like that'll be a thing that ends up happening as we're all about Cross and Lucas ends up having the higher grade. Yeah, well, keep in mind, one of the things that affects PFF overall grades are penalties. Uh, one of these guys had a game where there was a lot of penalties. <laughs> uh, the other one ha- did not. So um, luckily, Charles Cross had two, I think, penalty-free games and only one that was a disaster. Uh, okay, next. Who will have more sacks? You only get to pick between one of these two. Jamal Adams or Cody Barton? I want to hear from folks in the chat what you guys have. Uh I put this in there because Jamal Adams, I mean, going into last season, everyone's like, all he can do is rush the passer. Like, all he does is he's blitz boy, like, right? Like, that's what he is. And he had, like, he broke the NFL record for defensive back number of sacks, right? And then last year, did he have a sack? I didn't even look. I don't think he did. Like, he was injured, but, like, he was not effective as a pass rusher. And they eventually stopped rushing him for the most part. Cody Barton has been effective, hasn't had a lot of chances. Um, I'm interested. It was fascinating to me that everybody but Evan Hill had Jamal Adams as the answer. Nathan, how did, how did, was this hard for you or was it an easy pick? Uh, it was not hard for me. I, I don't think – I mean, they just – they're not going to ask Barton to get – that's not true. I mean, he blitzed a bit, but I, I don't know. It's just not Barton's – thing i don't think he's gonna get home very often and you know uh the previous low for adams was two so he's had two sacks three and a half six and a half nine and a half like i just think that he'll end up with a couple and barton will end up with like one and yeah i i don't know that adams is gonna go crazy on this again but uh barton it's just not barton's thing Evan, why did you pick? Just because you hate Jamal Adams? No, the serious answer is I, I'm, I'm actually quietly, or not quietly, it's not, that's not the right word, cautiously optimistic about Seattle's uh, ability to generate pressure this year. And I think they're going to have to manufacture it not so creatively as they have in the past by forcing Jamal to do it. I think Quinton Jefferson is going to have a massive year. Um, that was for you, Brian. Uh, but that's the short. That's the short truth. I think Cody Barton's gonna have like one to two sacks, and Jamal's just not gonna be blitz boy. Does Here's he- what's gonna happen with. I want this on tape. Hold on. I want this on. I want receipts for this. This yeah. is what's gonna happen with Quentin Jefferson. He is going to at times get into the backfield and look like something's gonna happen. He will miss the tackle, like ninety five percent of the time. Okay. He will potentially flush the quarterback. He will very rarely actually touch or bring the quarterback down. And he will have a PFF grade somewhere in like the 60s. He will have most of his games where his PFF grades in like the 30s because his run grade will be so bad. Hey, Brian, where's Jaren Reed playing football right now? This has nothing to do with Jaren Reed. Where's Jaren Reed playing football? He's a mediocre player. He is a mediocre player. <laughs> that has been the point. Uh, okay. Quinton will be fine. He'll, he'll, he might have like two or three sacks this year. Does anyone know how many sacks Cody Barton's had in his career? It, this is a true question. Oh, I like that question. Uh, I think it's zero. Zero? I want to go with zero. Dana, you want to get on this? Two. Zero. Right. Mm. High five. Breakout year, Cody Barton. Five starts, so, you know, but, uh, yeah. 
Uh, Jamal Adams did have zero last year, so you know, sure. let's see. Okay, you know, look, they didn't bless him last year. He didn't get after the quarterback, and it was the first year where he doesn't make a Pro Bowl, doesn't have any AP votes or anything like that. He is Blitz Boy. If he's not Blitz Boy, he's nothing. I think he's going to play a lot of essentially linebacker this year. I, I think they're going to play a lot of three safety looks. I think you're going to see a lot of Jamal Adams in there, and I think it, it could be interesting. I Sorry, Dana, you were going to say something. Go ahead. I was just going to say, but that makes sense. If you get better cornerback play, then he doesn't have to babysit back there quite as much. They can use him more, you know, in different ways. And honest to God, this is what drives me crazy about everyone being pissed off about Jamal Adams is like, so if play him to his strengths, and if that is one of his strengths, just because it doesn't fit in the title that they gave him to play doesn't necessarily mean it's not a good way to play him. So I'm, I'm super excited about seeing what this defense looks like now under hurt. I think it's going to be really fun. And I do think that he's going to end up blitzing a lot and I'm going to be there for it. I'm all about it. Yeah. I think, I think that's fair. And I, I would say, while I think there's some people that have priors that they want to confirm one way or the other about Adams, I think everybody just hasn't yet seen them be able to utilize him in a way that is both effective and fundamentally sound for the defense. And I think that's what, like, hopefully the defensive staff, the new brain trust will figure out a way to utilize them better. Um, I think that's really the hope. All right, who will have the third, not the first, not the second, who will have the third most receptions on the team? Did not name a position. Some people took advantage of that uh, wisely. Other people, you know, went kind of stock, but nobody picked well, actually, somebody did. Somebody picked a receiver. Josh Cashman, who's had some of the most outlandish DK Metcalf predictions in past years that have been pretty close to true, picked DK Metcalf to be third in receptions. Evan, you seem like deeply troubled by that. I'm very concerned. Like, that's bad. Like, does, does that mean DK's hurt for most of the year? Does he suck? What's the issue? I want Josh. I want Josh on record. I wish he was here right now. Yeah, tell him to get in the chat. He's half the time he's watching the show and chatting. So get him in here. Um, Make him explain himself. But uh, we have. I say it's going to be Noah Fant. Jeff says it's going to be Noah Fant. Evan says it's going to be Will Disley. Nathan says it's going to be Will Disley. Trey says it's going to be Will Disley. Dana and Derek say Ken Walker. I thought that was clever. Mm -hmm. I thought running back is a good call. And I honestly hadn't thought about it. Um, Dana, why did you pick Ken Walker? Just from preseason, the way they used him in preseason, he caught quite a bit. And I, and I liked, they liked his speed off of that. And so I, I think that that is a clever way to use him. Um, especially if, if Penny is doing well, then that's, that's one way they can get him in the game. But I just, I really like Ken Walker. I really like this kid. And I, 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 I'm kind of with Evan that I think that this could be quite a year for him, but I think that he'll be used in receiving quite a bit. Interesting. I have to say, like, it wasn't fun for me to put Fant because I was like, I don't have a lot of confidence in him, <laughs> especially after that, that one catch in Pittsburgh. I don't know if I'll ever be able to forget that. But, like, there was a moment many years ago, prior, probably before Evan was born, the Seahawks drafted a quarterback named David Green from Georgia. And, and he was in preseason, and he took a snap. It was – Toward their like toward the Seahawks side, and he literally just stepped out of the back of the end zone. He like went to plan his foot to throw, and he just stepped out of bounds. 
it was like one of the most humiliatingly stupid plays I've ever seen. And it was in a preseason. And I, to this day, like it's burned into my head. I was like, that guy's an idiot. Um, sorry, David, I'm sure you're a nice guy. Um, that play from Noah Fant is not quite that level, but it's burned in my brain. Like, I'm like, how did he not, like, how did that not happen? And if he's going to be a player that does that, anything close to that again, he will be one of my least favorite Seahawks. Like that would be really annoying. So hopefully, hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully ends up being really good. Um, but that was, that was just a man share. Um, okay, let's move on. Uh, Seahawks, what will be their offensive rank? in points scored okay enter it in the chat for folks trying to guess they were 16th in the nfl in points scored last year what will they be this year in points scored among the 32 nfl teams uh jeff and evan are the least optimistic they've got them dropping from 16th to 26th in the nfl um Dana is the most optimistic. You've got them only dropping from 16th to 19th. Uh, I'm at 24th. Nathan, you're at 25th. So you're pretty much right there with, you know, Evan, Jeff, you and I are pretty much 24th, 25th, 26th, pretty much the same. Derek's at 27th. He's the lowest. Anyone want to say anything about this? Any other their thoughts on this? The run game is going to save them. I really believe that. To Nathan's dismay and horror, the run game is going to save them this year. I, I think the, the one thing I'll add here is part of the reason I've got them that much lower. Um, you think it's just like, well, it's because I think that they're going to settle for field goals. I, I think they're going to have trouble getting into the end zone. So I think they'll be, yes. uh, I think there'll be a fair number of those this year, um, at least the attempts. Could Jason Myers be an all pro this year? No, no, I will not allow that to happen. <laughs> well, you don't even have to allow it. It just won't happen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about the worst possible outcome of this season is Jason Myers is an all pro and the Seahawks sign him to a large extension. That would be <laughs> the worst outcome of this season. You're getting me going, man. You're getting me going. <laughs> All right, moving along. Uh, now, let's switch to the other side of the ball. The Seahawks' defensive rank in points scored. What will it be? Feel free to add your prediction in chat. They were 11th last year. People forget this, but they were almost a top 10. And for most of the year, they were a top 10 team in points allowed. I think one of the things that's going to be challenging is if the offense is that much worse than they were last year um, in terms of points scored. It's going to put more weight on the defense. Are they good enough to hold up to that? Do they have enough of a backbone to hold up to that? That's one of my questions. I've got them dropping only from 11th to 15th. I consider that actually being kind of bullish, um, considering that they're going to potentially have even more weight to carry. Um, Jeff has them at 18th. Evan at 16th. Nathan, 14th. Dana, 13th. Trey and Dana are both at 13th. Derek's at 18th. Josh is 24th. Josh is brutal. He's got a 20th offense and a 24th defense. Yikes. Um, Dana, 13th. Anything you want to say there? You, you kind of started talking about it before. Well, I just think that, I mean, think about back to last year, how frustrating it was, how often that defense was on the field. I mean, they lived on the field, right? They could not, the offense couldn't get anything going. And so even if, 
that happens again this year, they still managed to do so well when they were on the, on the field. So I don't think it's going to be that big of a drop-off. I don't, in fact, I was perfectly happy leaving them right where they were. Um, I just don't know without Bobby, how much that, you know, impact we'll have. We'll have to wait and see. Um, but I like this defense. I'm, I'm excited about hurt and maybe I'll be proven very wrong in that, but I just, I, it's, it's good between him and Desai. I think it, I think it could be fun. Part of the reason the defense couldn't get off the field is because the like they played so many snaps is because they also just could not get off the field. Like the offense put them in bad positions sometimes. And typically red zone defense is not something that's sticky. It doesn't really carry over, carry over from year to year. So if you way outperform in terms of points compared to like, you know, uh, how many plays a drive or yards drive or EPA and all that, you're going to regress. Um, which I built in a little bit because I picked in 14, which is still pretty good. I, I do think though, like Dana's saying, the coaching staff, I think is a big upgrade. And I don't think Bobby's that big of a loss. Um, so it's going to come down a lot to the health of the cornerbacks, I think, um, how well they really do. But yeah. I mean, the, the path to the Seahawks defense being a top 10 defense, it's going to have to be like Daryl Taylor is going to have to be a beast. The pass rush is going to have to be really good. Um, the interior Al Woods is going to have to be every bit as good this year as he was last year. Like the interior line is going to have to stop the run well, and the corners are going to have to be legitimately good. Um, like that's, I don't think Jordan Brooks has to be a different player than he was last year. I think it would be good for him to be taking the next step. I don't know that Quandre Diggs or Jamal Adams would have to be a different player than they were last year necessarily, maybe utilized differently, but I think the pass rush and the coverage would have to be that much better. Um, for them to take that step and it's not out of the question but uh remains to be seen okay next a favorite a fan favorite nathan lost a lot of money on this last year um jason myers missed field goals oh uh, brian put zero you son oh my kid. god you do not touch my oh Google my feet, god Pat. don't do it we don't both put zero <sighs> Brian's predicting him to get cut before the start of the year. <laughs> you put it back. Put it back. Uh, Evan is the only one that predicted them to, him to miss zero field goals. Um, that's the level of quality of, of Evan's predictions. Um, Jeff's at five. Nathan's at four. Four is pretty bullish, dude, because he could kick like 30 to have 32 attempts this year or something like 35 attempts. Why are you so bullish? I feel like four is a lot. <laughs> it's not a lot. I mean, that's how many. If you could be through, like a ninety-plus percenter at, at that in a game, four in a game. <laughs> exactly. There, there. Now you're talking my language. If Dana. you go through, so I was not including extra points. No, this is just field goals. Okay, he doesn't usually miss more than four in a year. He, he. I think maybe only has one year where he's missed more than four. Hmm. It's the problem is he misses like four almost every year and then misses like three or four extra points as well. So yes. yeah. Trey has him missing 23. Uh, <laughs> Josh, I actually put this in there for him. He, I have him missing all of them uh, is what Josh predicted. That would be hilarious. I would actually get some pleasure out of him going over the year. Um, okay, moving on. Uh, combined touchdowns for all three of these players. How many Cumulative touchdowns, sum, one plus two plus three. Add them together. How many will Will Disley, Noah Fant, and Colby Parkinson have this year? 
does not say receiving touchdowns, but you can probably assume that these are receiving touchdowns. Um, Dana, you had nine. Jeff had five. Josh had four. Um, Evan, you had eight. So you and like uh, Nathan and I were both at six. Uh, so Dana, who's getting the bulk of these? Um, I mean, it'll be between Fant and Disley. Um, I'm going to say Fant. I don't know that we've seen everything. He, I mean, he was pretty well liked in Denver. So I, maybe we'll see something different out of him. Maybe he was just adjusting. I'm not sure, but I don't think, I think that, I think Parkinson gets one and then they'll split the other one between them. I, I, I think that tight end usage or my hope is tight end usage will go up in the offense this year. Evan, did you have one of these three getting the bulk or evenly split? Yeah. I, I want to, I want to hope that Disley gets six or seven of them. Um, he signed that massive contract and this is partly honestly just me hoping that like he's worth it. So it could be very wrong, but that's my soul trying to speak out for help. So I love it. I love, that's a good answer. I, I, I respect and understand uh kenneth walker rushing yards um <laughs> what the fuck dude you have kenneth walker rushing for 1200 yards what explain yourself me yeah i think kenneth walker is gonna get a ton of opportunity this year i think he's gonna be the focal point of the offense i don't think rashad penny's gonna be healthy and i think kenneth walker is just gonna be a stud i think he's gonna be good Will you tattoo his face on your nipple? No, but maybe my right ball. maybe my right cheek though as an alternative. Which cheek? You pick. Okay. Okay. <laughs> this is getting uncomfortable. Um <laughs> I've got him at 210 yards. I'm the lowest. I was not super impressed with Ken Walker, at least what I saw. Uh He's now had an in, a, a surgery before the season even started. Uh, I think that they have other running back options that they can rely on. I wouldn't be super shocked if DJ Dallas hops him as the you know, like the third down back, and then it's really about Rashad Penny, like how many carries is he going to give up? So um, I think 200 is not unreasonable, but I'm the lowest of the bunch. Um, okay. By the way, Dana's got him at 750. Nathan's got him at 550. Derek's got him at 800. Josh, 432. Trey, 687. So, you know, get a little feel for the variance there. Next, true or false? Our first true or false. Daryl Taylor will have 10 plus sacks this season. True or false? What do you all think? True or false? Um, a little bit of a mix here. Um, Evan and Dana, you were the only two that said true. Why? I think that this is, we have to remember that, you know, he didn't play the first year. So last year was kind of like his rookie year. And there's always a huge jump that second year. And I think that we're just going to see a beastie come out of him. It's going to be fun. Beautifully spoken. <laughs> anything, anything you'd uh, add to that, Evan, or we, we should move? Let's move it. Geno Smith. This is a over under 
over under. So you have to pick whether you think that's going to be over this number or under this number. It cannot be the number itself. Will his passer rating be over 92.5 or under 92.5? And got a little bit of a mix here. Um, Nathan and I and Jeff and Dana were over, um, as was Trey. Evan and Derek and Josh were under. And for what it's worth, last year, Geno Smith had an almost identical passer rating to Russell Wilson at 103. Um, anyway, I won't go on. He had pretty much identical numbers, EPA, like everything you looked at relative to what Russell was last year in one of Russell's worst years uh, was what uh, Geno had, even though he didn't seem to play that well from, I think, a lot of our perspectives. Uh, Nathan, I'm curious, why over? Um, because of that, because he had a 103 last year. He only had one game where he was under the 92 and a half or whatever the over-under was set at, which was the Rams game, which he played pretty well in until that pick and, you know, only had 17 attempts, which kind of skews it. So um, the, the other thing with Gino is um, he might get sacked a ton. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of people talking about like, oh, it's so nice to have a quarterback that doesn't hold the ball forever and spin in circles. Oh Dude got God. sacked 13 times in three starts last year. Yeah, like this guy might get sacked a lot. And the thing about sacks is they don't show up in quarterback ratings. So his, I mean, we'll see if if he can keep the turnovers under control. That hasn't historically been something he's good at. But if if the turnover rate holds, um, you know his rating's going to look pretty good even if he's not actually an effective quarterback because he's getting sacked constantly yeah yeah i think you, you nailed it for me Any, if anyone else wants to add in please speak up uh last three we are down to, yeah to our last three predictions uh who will have more interceptions Tariq woolen or kobe bryant the two rookie corners mid-round picks uh definitely a mix on this one um i had kobe bryant Evan and Jeff and Dana had Tariq Woolen. Nathan had Kobe Bryant. Uh, Derek had Woolen. Uh, Josh had Bryant. And Trey had Woolen. So really, you know, back and forth across the board. Dana, why did you pick Tariq? Just because the coaches hyped him up so much in preseason. I think that they're going to trust him a little bit more there. But really, it's a toss-up. We, we, it just depends on who stays on the field. Yeah, I mean, I went with Bryant because... I think he's going to end up taking over the nickel spot. I think he'll end up being a starter. I don't know if Tariq will. I, I think Sidney Jones and, and Artie Burns could end up holding down the outside corner positions all season, depending. Um, and so I don't know if there'll be snaps for him. But that's the main reason. I also, I, you know, Bryant won the, what, Jim Thorpe Award last year. He's been shown to take the ball away. So uh, that was my thought there. All right, last two. Seahawks points per game on offense. How many points per game on offense will they score this year? Last year, it was 23.2 points per game. How many points per game will they score this year? Everybody feel free to enter your predictions in the chat. Uh, okay. Everybody's got it going down. Um, Trey was the most optimistic at 21.7. Then Dana at 20.3. Then Nathan at 20.1. Then it starts dropping. We got Jeff at 19.2. We've got Derek at 17.9. 
I am also at 17.9. So Derek and I are identical. Uh, then it goes to Evan at 16.8. And then finally, Josh. Josh has us at 15.4 points per game. Josh um, had them at the 20th ranked scoring <laughs> offense and then has them averaging 15 <laughs> points a game. So Josh is predicting a uh, down year in the NFL. In the NFL, yeah. <laughs> we love you, Josh. Um, let's do these together. Points allowed. Uh, so, so on defense last year, the Seahawks allowed 21.5 points per game. <laughs> so Nathan's exposing that I'm also a mathematics idiot because <laughs> I put 28.5 and I put, what did I defensive? Like 16. So I've got to change one of those. You well, know what? So- I, I only thought to look at it because I panicked when I realized that I had not made sure these things were, uh, and then I looked across and I was like, oh yeah, I wasn't the only one. I'm changing okay. the defensive rank. But Evan, yeah. Evan has dropped the defensive rank to 25th, so he's now the lowest. That 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 makes more sense. Um, Evan, yeah, so you got him allowing 28 and a half points a game. Uh, Josh is at 26.6. Derek's at 24.5. I'm at 23.5. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so I think the the best on here is Nathan at 21.9. Sunshine's back. Uh, that's basically the same as last year from 21.5 to 21.9. How, how did you get to that number, Nathan? Well, <laughs> again, I didn't uh, really put it together and like look at what that would have been. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I kind of threw a dart and picked a number that looked cool. Okay. Yep. That's a really good, good reasoned explanation. I like it. Um, so interestingly, I mean, point differential is a pretty good predictor of record in, in a lot, or at least it's highly correlated, right? Not surprising. You score more points than you uh, give up. You usually win. Um, Evan is the, <laughs> not surprisingly, most pessimistic. He's got the Seahawks at a negative 11.7 point per game differential. Um, Josh is right pretty close there with him, 11.2. The other end, you know, Trey. Trey is our our optimistic blue sky. He's the guy that had him making the playoffs. He had only negative 1.1, but everybody had them at negative. Um, those are all of our predictions. I'm curious, like for each one of you, was there anyone that was the the most painful as you read it? You're like, ah, I don't either. I don't know if I really still feel good about that one or man, I hope that doesn't I hope that's not true. Dana, how about you? Any any of your predictions that, that didn't just didn't sit well with you? No, I tried to go through it and I think I did look at the math. So that was good. But um, I think that um, the only thing is, is the win losses. And, and because I think, like I said, I just was struggling with how close I think these games are going to be. And so I went back and forth. I changed them a few of them. Like I had them winning Atlanta for a long time. I went back and changed it. And because I just think that five number now where those fives come from, I don't know, but um, here's the thing. I got excited about Lucas and cross and I realized how much I trusted them and in, in those picks and, and how exciting that was going to be. And then me picking Kenneth Walker for the third receiver. I was like, yep, yeah, this, this, these are the things I'm looking for this year. And that, that may actually made me happy. Yeah. It's funny you say that because honestly, if I could pick any, if, if just the cross and Lucas ratings, if those come true, 
I will, I, I, I can't say for sure, but like, I think I'll be pretty happy with the season. Like, that's just so fundamental. Like it, it's be such a big advantage for this team. If they could have two high quality tackles on rookie contracts, like be huge. So that's the one for me that I'm like, uh, I would be really excited. I think I could give up all the others if those came true. I see a lot of nodding. Anything else that's kind of like that for any of you, or you're like, man, I really hope that happens. The 49ers wins, I bet, probably like that for, for Evan. Um, anything else? I think the defensive. Oh, go ahead, Evan. I was just going to say, uh, we've kind of died down a little bit on the Woolen hype. So, you know, since he had some blunders in game, but if we show any potential there, that's a really big deal. Is it Woolen? Woolen? Woolen. Is this Woolen? Is this my next Ifetti? How many different ways are there, is there to pronounce Woolen? <laughs> woolen. He's <laughs> getting a little early Halloween, you know, moment. <laughs> Cornerback's a premium position. It costs a lot of money for a good cornerback. Let's see some development there. I would love to see it. Uh, I was going to say, I think the defensive rank uh, is going to be fairly important. I mean, the defense isn't a finished product, but you have Quandre Diggs and Jamal Adams and Jordan Brooks, and you know, you're expecting stuff out of Trey Brown. Um, Jones is going to be here for a little while. So that is um, probably fairly close to what the next playoff defense should look like for Seattle um so if that really craters you know if Evan's right or Josh is right and they're you know in the bottom seven or so that's I think a bad sign oh I, I think completely that's a, agree yeah yeah go on Dana I was just gonna say that's it right because that's our expectation is that really this team is being rebuilt and a good chunk of it is already here we just need these one or two pieces to pan out so if your good chunk all of a sudden isn't panning out, that means you're starting from scratch next year. And that'll be really, really disheartening. Yeah, I, I think we're all in agreement that the defense should be better than the offense. Yes? Yeah. And to Nathan's point, if it turns out that the defense is not just, you know, not great, but that they're actually terrible, um, that would set back this franchise years. And even if you get your QB next year, now like maybe by the end of his rookie contract, you're starting to build a, a decent roster. I don't know, but like a lot of this is contingent on those defensive players and that defensive side of the ball with the new coaching staff and some of that stuff panning out. So um, I think that's really well said. All right, that is, those are all our predictions. Um, Kept you all a very long time, especially you, Dana. Um, anything else that any of you want to add? Get receipts. This is your chance before the season starts. Anything else you want to finish with before we close the show? Uh, Nathan? I have a mea culpa. Uh, I've never heard of any of the Broncos tight ends. I think I just had a uh, residual fant uh, impression there. Um, their third receiver is KJ Hamler, who maybe is okay, but uh, yeah, that was my thought on that. It's possible the Seahawks could rank higher than the Niners this year in the NFC West. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not kidding. This is not a trolling Aww, thing. Evan. No, and let me let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Trey Lance could really fall flat on his face. 
he really could. He's a complete unknown. I don't I don't think the hype is justified around him. I don't trust him. Got receipts now. That would be quite a him. quite a quite a clip to come back to if true. Dana, anything anything you want to add? I, I just want all the listeners and all the fans out there to just take a breath because yes, it's going to suck. And honestly, the Broncos are going to do well this year. How well, we don't know, but they're going to do well. And that's okay because that's what happens when these trades and the losing team, you know, always sucks, but whatever. But this team is still the team you had last year. It's just minus two players. And so I think that there's still a lot to be excited about, especially with some of the new guys. So just take a breath. And as I just keep preaching, keep your eyeball on 23. Dana, I think you're way too invested in the emotional state of Seahawks Twitter. I, I they lose their oh my god, there was this hilarious tweet, some dude out of nowhere who's not even it didn't even really look like a football fan. He goes, Oh my god, Seahawks Twitter is toxic. And I lost it. Like I was <laughs> laughing hysterically, right? Because it's like it is because they were <laughs> they just don't agree. That's why I just want everyone to just take a breath, okay? Because what we all need to agree on is we want the rookies to develop and we want to see the defense stay good. The rest doesn't matter. And I know people don't think because they think that they have to win to mean something, but that's not it. Yeah, Seahawks Twitter, just be reasonable. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. Listen, it's a lost cause, but I can try, right? I I, I know exactly what you mean, Dana. And mm-hmm. I don't know, it, it's it's an interesting season. And I, it's it's funny, like there's this thing that... I definitely have felt where a lot of folks are like, you're negative if you're predicting the Seahawks to not be good this year. I don't, I don't actually correlate those things at all. Like if you've been through the cycles of like, you know, this team going up and down over, you know, many decades uh, and coaching staffs and front offices, like you kind of know you got to go down to go up to, to some extent. And so I'm like, I'm here for it. Like, <clears throat> that's that's the process that we're in. And I'm not upset about it. So I think being negative is like, this team sucks. The front office sucks. The coaching staff sucks. The players suck. This season's like, I don't feel that way. And I, I think some people, you know, get that crossed up a little bit. So like I said, like, I expect to spend more time at watching Seahawks games this year, probably with more beers in my hand than normal, probably be like leaning back in my chair a little bit more than I normally do and watching specific players, not necessarily all this. I will still be screaming and being super annoyed when things go wrong, but it's just a different kind of year. Like I remember clearly watching Matt Hasselback after he was traded to the Seahawks running in circles and making horrible throws that are like, oh my God, this guy has no chance of ever being a quality quarterback. I remember cheering for Trent Dilfer. Like I remember cheering for, you know, John Kidna, like, you know, Joey Galloway was a lot of fun to watch. The teams he was on weren't that great. So like you just, that's part of the being a fan. So I don't think it has to mean you're super negative um and look i think all of us have been pretty clear if if the if the offensive line the pass rush and the cornerbacks the young cornerbacks that's what the season's about mm-hmm. i think that's what what we're all going to be looking at and if you roll yahtzee and all three of those things turn out well 
whatever the record is going to be, I think you're going to hear a lot of positive mm-hmm. points of view here. So with that, I am going to release everybody back to their evenings. Uh, thank you all so much for tuning in. It's going to be a fun season. Please give the show a like. Uh, click subscribe on the YouTube channel. We are growing as a community. It's fun to have you here. Uh, and go over to patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Sign up, get immediate access to the Slack channel. And get, by the way, there will be free tickets that we give away to patrons across the year. Uh, so you can see the Seahawks in person. That does happen. Can't tell you exactly when it'll happen, but it does happen. Um, and as you know, if you don't, we give all of our profits to charity. So uh, it all goes to a good cause. So happy to have you back. Happy to have the crew back. Predictions are now in the books, folks. And you'll be able to come back to this and make fun of all of us, especially Evan, a lot. It's going to be great. Take care. Have a good night. And let's go.